I've been talking, starting last Sunday, a shaking and an awakening, and we'll get to some of all of that. This is part two, a new series, usually, usually teaching series, and uh, so I encourage you to follow along. We'll have notes online. I usually don't get to all that, but my notes are available at victorychurchraleigh.com forward slash notes, so you can follow along or go back and look at them. Really encourage you to. Today, um, uh, I, I, think, I, th- I think we're going to have a good time. Bottom line is God has promised to take care of you. Regardless of what this year looks like, I've got five points that I want to go through showing God's care for us. So let's just get right to it. Point number one is this. We are in a time of rapid change just before what it looks like, the return of Christ. How many hear me? And let me preface that even by saying, you know, um, James 5, 7 comes to me a lot. Um, It says the farmer waits for the precious uh, fruit of the earth and has long cont- uh, patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. The reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's waiting for just as many people as possible to come to know him and come to him and be saved from their sin so they can go to heaven and not perish in hell. How many hear me? So any delay on God's part is just because he loves people. How many hear me? But at some point he will say, Delay no longer. So he, I'll preface everything I'm saying. God could in a moment's time say, well, I'm just not quite ready yet. And he has that prerogative and, and how many hear me? So that could happen. But nonetheless, it looks like the trajectory we own is that Jesus is coming back sooner rather than later. How many hear me? So again, I mentioned this last Sunday. We are in a transition from the age of grace to the age of judgment. Hebrews 6 talks about Eternal judgments is one of the doctrines in Scripture that hardly anybody preaches about today in America, but we need to hear it because here we're going into that time. So the bottom line is today something could suddenly happen. Uh, that changes everything. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of world it is right now. And it's been so um, topsy-turvy as a word later on in my notes I wrote down. It's just been nuts the last couple of years, right? I don't see that uh, changing a whole lot, except it'll continue to be um, uh, topsy-turvy is is perhaps a word. Some questions, uh, am I ready? Hmm. Uh, Are the fundamentals in place in my life? That is, are are you really seeking first the kingdom of God? I mentioned last week, do I keep my faith strong? You keep your faith strong two ways. If you miss one of these ingredients, you don't, will not have strong faith. Number one, you've got to get in the Word, right? So we talked about that last week, the Word being the Bible, right? And uh, then, uh, not just that, but once you read it, you have to practice it. And there's one thing to eat all those amino acids, those, pro, those proteins, and just push some, push some uh, you know, whatever weight you use, whatever kind you use. Um, it's, it's one thing if all you did was eat the proteins, you might just get fat. But if you'll exercise against the resistance, that's when muscles develop. Is that true? Same way with faith. So um, are the, are, do I keep my faith strong? Secondly, is my prayer life strong? Prayer, you just got to work on it. I'll talk about that for the next uh, while, the next three weeks as we meet together. Prayer is a, a challenge for everybody. And that's the truth. If you say it's not, you're lying. Or either you don't pray, <laughs> one or the other. Because that's a challenge, because you're talking to somebody you can't hear, you can't see their facial expression, tone of voice. I mean, you just, by you faith in it. I mean, he says he's there. I believe he's hearing me. The Bible says he is. you got to learn how to do that. And so we've got lots of ways to help you with that. We'll talk about that in the next three weeks. Uh, am I drawing closer to God? 
You draw close to God, first of all, by, by obeying the Word. Secondly, obviously, uh, by praying. But then third ingredient there is learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you're a Christian, the, the Holy Spirit's inside. And He has a way of witnessing to our spirit, not only that we're children of God, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So He also, if you listen to Him, He'll guide you in your job and your finances and what you do with life and raising your children, preparing for your future, living with the present, and just today. How many hear me? So well, am I drawing closer to God? Am I making natural preparations? That's a good question. We're in uncharted territory. Uh, anything could happen quite suddenly. So, you know, because the environment's changing, we have new weather, weird things happening. Uh, uh, so a stash of food, water, uh, cash, probably wise. So be as smart as an ant. They prepare for the winter and the summer, right? So, so be as smart as an ant and get just, you know, make some natural preparations um, the bottom line today I want you to get from this is God's going to take care of those who are dedicated believers. He's promised to do so. Uh, it seems that we are in the time period just prior to what people typically call the tribulation. Actually, there's not one scripture in the Bible that calls the seven years that God showed Daniel in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, which is called the time of Jacob's trouble. In the book of Daniel, it's the time where God begins to deal with Israel. Again, seven years of time just prior to the Messiah returning. People typically call that the tribulation. Jesus called the last uh, portion after three and a half years into it the great tribulation. So uh, anyway, uh, it looks like we're in that time just prior to that happening. Uh, the last couple of years seems like it's a perhaps a dry run for things that are ahead. You think it's been tumultuous and crazy so far you ain't seen nothing yet so let me also say this this is a little weird to say but it's true um uh many uh in america believe that the rapture of the church will take us away before the tribulation begins now let me say something i preached i've been in ministry since 1981 and for 25 years preach that and i actually can go to our archives and look at my notes and i've said it I've said, well, I don't even look at the Antichrist or anything that's going to happen during those seven years because we're not going to be here anyway. Well, God started dealing with me. I don't know what you call what I had, an awakening, an epiphany. I don't care what you call it. Something happened to me. I began to study the Scriptures in a fresh way, and Jesus began talking to me and said, Mitch, you need to change your tune, son. You're going to be here for a while. Uh, once that seven years began, I said, I, I can't say, 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 that, say that again. I think I'm missing you. Because that's not what I preached, and I believe what I preached. He said, I know you do, but you need to look at this. And he began to show me things and began to show me that we're probably going to be here for the first few years of that seven-year period. Um, and most people that believe that say, and I can't go far into this, uh, my, I have a blog, I'm sorry, my podcasts. Go to MitchHorton.com, my, my podcasts are there two a week, and then my blogs are there. I've written both in my blogs and and this last week, particularly, I talked pretty strong on the podcasts about some of this. But uh, people typically say that that time period, uh, we're not going to be here because we're immune from the wrath of man, uh, the wrath of God. First Thessalonians 5, 9 and Romans 5, 9 say that God has delivered us from, from the wrath, His wrath because of Jesus. How many know that's true? And I do believe that. However, the first part of that seven-year period is not the... Listen, it's not the wrath of God. It's the wrath of man. 
We're in not immune. Show me one scripture that says you're immune from, uh, from challenge, opposition. Uh, not one scripture, not, not, not one. You're not immune from persecution. And that first few years of that is persecution that comes directly from the regime of uh, what people typically call the Antichrist, which will be the global influence of government. And there's going to be some huge challenges. I think we'll see the first part of that. Somebody I was talking to yesterday, I don't remember who it was, uh, told me, said, uh, and so I preached this a lot um, uh, to even be a part of the Southern, I was raised Southern Baptist. Don't y'all love the Southern Baptist? I was raised Southern Baptist, and I found out yesterday, they told me, said, well, if you're going to be in the Southern Baptist Convention now, you got the sign that I think says you believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Well, see, I couldn't be in the Southern Baptist Convention then because I'm not going to lie. I used to believe that, but I don't now. So anyway, a lot of people discount some of the things I say, and you know what? I hope you're right. I hope we do get raptured for, and if we do, on the way up, I'll say, you're right. <laughs> Yee, you're right. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> Egg on my face. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you need to come and listen. Is that okay? So I think we're going to be here for a part of the reign of that global leader named Antichrist, and the world will be uh, challenged with his ideas of one religion, um, all nations being united in some way politically with laws and such, and with a digital world economy. And friends, we're moving that way very, very rapidly. It's yet to be determined if the United States will be in, involved in all that. I have held out hope that we would not be. But listen to this, unless our leadership changes in a big way, the United States just may join that world's global leadership and that would diminish our freedoms. How many hear me? And then we'd be subjected to persecutions that other people in the rest of the world face. How many hear me? Those are not fun things to say, but that's absolute truth. So uh, pray for your politicians. Pray for your leaders in Washington. A lot of them are paid under the table. Question, how in the world can you make $180,000 a year and then become a multimillionaire? How do you do that? I, I haven't been able to. Have you been able to do that? How you, where are you getting the money from? Well, they're paid under the table. They're paid to shut up. They're paid, paid to toe the line paid to follow the global insurance uh, influence. So the uh, World Economic Forum and such, they have the G7, the G20, whatever. They have all these summits. What is that all about? The joining of the nations together. And I don't have time to talk about all that. Bottom line is we don't have to be filled with fear and confusion about what is to come. How many hear me? What you need to be filled with is faith in God. Listen to Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. What's that saying? Regardless of what happens, He's going to take care of you and me. Yes or no? Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear Him and delivers them. Delivers them from what? Whatever's happening around them, right? Psalm 37, 39, and 40. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them, deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Is that good? So that's what I'm thinking about. And then Jesus said this in verse 1 of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. So what's he saying when things change, when, uh, you know, when the dogs start barking, don't get so upset. Uh, he, he pulled the teeth out. 
You know, when I was a boy, my, my grandmother lived, uh, you know, an hour and a half away from us, and we were between her and the beach and where she worked, gave her a free place at the beach to stay in every year, and she would come by. And then other times as well, my grandparents would come by, both my grandmother on my mother's side and then my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side. And when they came to, to visit us, my mom would say, Grandma's coming. I'd say, oh, man, Grandma's coming. And as a little boy, I'd say, Grandma's coming, because Grandma always had some goodies. And always had a little gift for me or some, in some way. So I was always excited about grandma coming. So, you know, we should be excited about our future because it's not grandma that's coming, it's Jesus coming back. Huh? Now, see, that's, that's the way I think about it. Um, you know, the last couple of years have been really challenging. Uh, three years beginning March, the coronavirus and all that. One thing I learned from that was um, I'm really too connected to things. So back in March, April of 2020, I grieved my losses. I did, because there's some things that aren't coming back that we're accustomed to. They're not coming back. The world's going a certain trajectory, it seems, that way, unless God changes his mindset and puts it all on hold, pushes the button, and it's on hold. I'd love for him to do that, but he may not. How many hear me? So it is time for us to focus on the simple things, the most important things, right? So regardless of the challenges ahead and before Jesus takes us to heaven in the rapture of the church, we can be confident that God will Help us be our defender, be our shield, be our provider, be everything that we need. Yes or no? So here's some encouragements. God, listen to this. Number two, God makes covenants. Everybody say covenant. To help us in the dark, challenging world. To counteract Satan in the curse, watch, and the problems that come from that. Then God makes covenants. Now, God looked down from heaven uh, to a place called Ur of the Chaldees, uh, modern, modern day, probably Iran-Iraq area, and there was a guy that had nothing to do with the Lord. His name was Abram. God made a covenant with him. He was um, 75 years old when God made that promise to him. And he said, Abram, you and your wife are barren, but you're going to have a baby, a child to promise. And I'm making a covenant with you. And here's what he said in Genesis 12 to Abram, later called Abraham. Abram, exalted father. Abraham, father of a multitude. He was childless at 75, and he was married to a 65-year-old woman. I don't know of many 65-year-olds that have babies. Yeah, we're, we're past about child. But we've got, Susan and I got four. If she come up pregnant, I'd be, I'd be more surprised than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But see, God covered covenant with Abraham and promised that he would bless the world through him. Listen, uh, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your fa father's family, go to a land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you, make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. You need to watch how you treat Israel, by the way. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Wow, I really, really like that. So God made a covenant with Abram, Abraham, and through Abraham promised to provide and care for uh, every human being that would be a part of that covenant. And he promised to be their care provider. Is that good news? He's obligated himself to watch over us. So when I think about that, it brings me back to the New Testament, Hebrews 8, 6, New Living Translation. Now we see Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. And then the latter part of this, for he is the one who mediates for us. Watch a far better covenant with God based on better promises. How many know you've got a covenant with God? We just talked about the Abrahamic covenant, right? 
How many know there's also the Davidic covenant? I've taught about all this. I have a whole series, 38 lessons on the book of Revelation. All the way through in the first part of that, I talked about the covenants that have to do with the end times. The Davidic covenant. God promised David that his seed would be on the throne, a throne that would oversee Israel, really the whole world, for eternity. That's the Davidic covenant. Then there's the Palestinian covenant. God promised Israel a parcel of land where they are now, but it's bigger than that, and they would be on that land for eternity. They came back in 1948, I mentioned last week. It's a big sign that Jesus is coming back. That's the Palestinian covenant. Then we partake of the new covenant. Everybody say the new covenant. It's, it's got all of the other ones right involved right in it, but it allows you to be involved in a covenant with God. Is that good news? Wow, it's really, really good. Colossians 3.13, listen to this. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law for uh, when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, watch, God has blessed Gentiles. Who is a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. So I would say most of the people in this room are Gentiles, right? That means God's blessed you just as much as he blessed Abraham and his kids, right? In fact, look what he said. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. Everybody say, same blessing. blessing. Say it again. Say it one more time. He promised to Abraham. Whoa. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. In fact, Galatians goes further and says, not only are we blessed with Abraham's blessing, not only are we part of the covenant, but we've actually become the sons and daughters of Abraham in Christ. Whoa! You, you realize how big that is? When's the last time you thought about it? You need to be thinking about this. Galatians 3.29, now you belong to Christ. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, watch, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Whoa! So when problems come and the dogs bark, you don't have to get upset. It's like, wait a minute, I got a covenant. I'm not looking in the natural like everybody else. I've got a supernatural being in my life that's promised to help me. Yes or no? That's where we need to have our head. That's where we need to have our faith in the days to come. How many hear me? Uh, this is a, a big deal. I want us to go back and I want to show you how this covenant worked two times. And uh, you'll see clearly that regardless of what comes in the future, uh, God's promise take care of you, right? So, you know, God knew that his promises to Abraham would be tested. So number three is God's covenant with Abraham protected Israel during a famine. So God knew that, their, um, uh, that his promises to Abraham and his covenant would be tested. So, in, so, so Abraham and uh, Sarah, his wife, had the, the child. His name means laughter. His name is Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. We call them the children of Israel. And so, um, uh, and, then, and then one of those sons that Jacob had was, uh, was a guy named Joseph. And so 17 years of age, Joseph sleeping one night, has a, has a dream and sees his whole family bowing down uh, before him. And it may not have been the smartest thing he's ever done, but he told his brothers, and they got jealous of him. All of his brothers say, who do you think you are, dude? I mean, you're the little runt. Who do you think you are? Who do you think? You know how brothers are, right? You have brothers, sisters. They aggravate you sometimes and you aggravate them, right? Well, he aggravated his brothers bad. And so, you know, they, uh, they sold him to a slave caravan and he found himself in Egypt. And uh, 
So let me say this. I, I wanted to say this. sometimes the worst thing that happens in your life becomes so transformative, it becomes actually later on the best thing that ever happened to you. So maybe you're going through a hard place right now going, oh, Lord, how can I handle this? How can I do this? How do you think Joseph felt? Sold by his brothers as a slave. He was in prison for 13 years, accused of rape that he didn't commit. But everywhere he went, he was blessed because he had a good attitude. And if you'll keep a good attitude in the hard place, how many know God will make a way for you? And you may find out that, you know, for my life, I can tell you, I've talked about all that before. I mean, some of the toughest times in my life in the past have been the things that transformed my character enough that I could be here today. And I don't think that I could do what I'm doing today unless I'd have went through those really rough times that I thought were miserable and terrible and hard, but God sees the end from the beginning. You see, that's what he did to Joseph. So 13 years after Joseph's brother sold him uh, into slavery, Joseph became, prime, believe it or not, prime minister of Egypt. He was second only to the Pharaoh, which would be like our president today, and then uh, there was a severe famine in Joseph's day. God gave Joseph a plan that would, would save really the Middle East from complete, utter starvation. A seven-year famine is a big deal. See, we don't think about famines today because you just go to the grocery store, get you a bag of rice, get you some pasta, get you some bread, get you some meat, get you some stuff, right? Uh, well, you know, all of that comes from somewhere. So when famines come, they're, they're hard, they're tough, and it would have decimated the, the, uh, the world at the time. So God gave Joseph a plan. Not only did it save thousands and thousands and multiplied perhaps hundreds of thousands of people, but it also saved Joseph's family. And listen to what Joseph said, Joseph, uh, Joseph Genesis 45, 5. Don't be upset, don't be angry when his he was revealed to his brothers. Don't be angry, don't be um, upset, angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Uh, and so it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to, to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says, because his father thought he was dead. God, because they lied, said an animal killed him. Uh, God has made me master over the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children, grandchildren, your flocks, herds, and everything you own. See, God made a way for the Israelites in the terrible famine. That would have probably eventually killed them of starvation. I mean, that's the truth. So um, God supernaturally moved in one family member. What was the, a catastrophe in his life turned out to be the greatest blessing for the whole family. You get it? It's just an amazing story. Go back and read some of that. It'll just bless you big. How many hear me? So uh, the issue is God had to do something for them. The famine was coming. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said, John 10, right? So, so the enemy, did God produce the famine? No, the devil. He's trying to kill people. But see, God's a provider. God's a sustainer. God's a blesser. God's a helper. And he had made a covenant with their forefather, Abraham. And when he thought about that covenant, he said, I got to do something for my people. So he raised up Joseph. Is that not good? See, God also knew, listen, listen. So they went to the land of Goshen, southwestern Egypt, perhaps, a section down there. 
And they stayed there for hundreds and hundreds of years. So listen, regard. see, God knows what's coming for us. He knows what's coming for the U.S. of A., whether or not we join. If, they, if we go join that global whatever it is, uh, we got hell to pay for him. And you ain't seen the persecution that you're going to have. You hear me? And the hard times you're going to have. See, they, um, Klaus Schwab, I don't know, I guess they'll do something with that word on Facebook. Uh, he has said, by 2030, you'll own nothing and like it. So just, just be aware. If you're not reading other than the mainstream media, you are not informed as to what they have plans for. Did you hear what I said? The mainstream media is bought and paid for by pharmaceutical organizations that don't have your good interest at heart. They've got their pocketbook at heart. How many hear what I'm saying? What you talking about, Pastor Mitch? Go figure it out. Uh, all you got to do is uh, stick your finger on this typing pad and just do some research and you'll find what I found. How many hear me? I was watching the weather this morning as I put my clothes on. And you know, you know all of the ads, you know where they came from? Pharmaceutical companies. They have paid for your news. That means they got something to say. What They're paid off. See how quiet it gets in the, in the wonderful church? You and me better wake up. We're in a cauldron like the cold-blooded frog, and the fire's been lit. And the water's heating up, and nobody knows it, but just a few that are willing to look around. Get your head out of the mainstream media and look and listen and watch. You get that? So if you like to talk to me about that, come and see me. I got a lot to say. Number four. Y'all okay? God's covenant with Abraham protected Israel during the plagues in Egypt. So 400 years after Joseph, here's a Pharaoh that rose up that didn't know him, and they became uh, the slaves of Egypt, built their whole dynasty and uh, built the walls and the buildings and all that. And um, uh, God saw the plight Israel was in, and he remembered his covenant with Moses. I want you to see it. And that covenant moved God to do something. Listen, Exodus 2, 23 years passed. The king of Egypt died. The Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help. And their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Mm. Moses was directed by God to approach the Egyptian leadership with ten plagues against Actually, it was against the gods. They had lots of plethora of gods that they worshipped, pagan gods. If, um, if Pharaoh would release the uh, Israelites from slavery, then he would, he would back up and, and not keep sending the plagues. Uh, of course, uh, the Pharaoh did not do that, and um, uh, he hardened his heart. And uh, so, uh, here's the heart of the whole story. God supernaturally watched over Israel while those ten plagues were enacted against the gods of the Egyptians. And it was a real hard time for Egypt during those 10 plagues. Uh, uh, they were 10 plagues. Uh, their livestock died. The locusts covered the land and uh, took all the leaves off of their greenery. Uh, frogs came. I, I just don't like a frog. <laughs> Hail came, damaged their crops. Uh, water turned to blood. That's pretty rough. Gnats. I don't like gnats either. At all. Fly, and I don't like a fly. There's not enough room in a big room for me and a fly. I'm going to find that boy. 
In fact, we got these zappers now. Zip, zip. <laughs> you can fry their hide. I got a real strong one right now. It fries them immediately. Anyway, boils, darkness, the death of the firstborn. How many know God protected Israel from all of it? Yes or no? I want you to hear this. I want you to listen to the language in the following verses. I got three or four excerpts here from that time of the ten plagues. And I want you to see what God said about it. Just listen. Exodus 8, here's the uh, plague of flies. Uh, Moses speaking to Pharaoh, if you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you. God saying through Moses to Pharaoh, your officials, your people and the houses, the Egyptian homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. But this time I will spare the region of Goshen mm -mm -mm, with where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I'm present in even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. <laughs> so every time you kill a fly, yes, God. <laughs> Exodus 9, go back. This is, I'm sorry. I must have had a really good breakfast this morning. <laughs> it was all from the ground, I promise. Plague on the livestock, Exodus 9. Go back to Pharaoh, the Lord commanded Moses. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews said. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you continue to hold them and refuse to let them go, the hand of the Lord will strike all your livestock, your horses, your donkeys, your camels, your cattle, sheep, and goats, with a deadly plague. But the Lord will agree to, make, again, make a distinction between the livestock of the Israelites and the, that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of Israel's animals will die. Wow. The Lord has already set the time for the plague to begin. He has declared that he will strike the land tomorrow. And the Lord did just as he had said. The next morning, the livestock of the Egyptians died. But the Israelites did not lose a single animal. I don't know about it. That warms my heart. You hear me? Now here's the one, the plague of hail. I just had my roof replaced because of hail last August. Hmm. Exodus 9, then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward the sky so hail may fall on the people, the livestock, and the plants throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his staff toward the sky. The Lord sent thunder and hail, lightning, flash towards the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstone against all the land of Egypt. Never in all the history of Egypt had there been a storm like that uh, with such devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. Watch, the only place without hail was the region of Goshen, where the people of Israel lived. Then here's the last one here. Exodus 11, the death of the firstborn. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight I'll pass through the heart of Egypt all the firstborn will die in every family in Egypt from the oldest son of Pharaoh uh, who sits on his throne to the oldest son of the lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has ever heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Mm then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. What does that do to you when you hear that? You know what it does to me? It tells me, regardless of what we're facing in our future, 
God has covenanted with us through his through Abraham to meet us and help us provide for us and protect us. Yes or no? I don't know about you. It just makes the future different for me. Does it you? So I can talk about all this end time stuff and all the all the hellacious things that may come. But you know what? God's promised to in some ways inoculate us and protect us and shield us. Yes or no? Last thing, we as Christians, number five, also live in the land of Goshen where God has promised His care and protection. So I want you to see yourself as living spiritually, so to speak, in the, low, uh, in the land of Goshen. You know, the news is going to say this. Let me just, you know, I'm going to talk about this at some point in great detail. The news has become propaganda. It is a propaganda agent. I found out a few weeks ago, it really bothered me. Uh, CIA and FBI agents are embedded even in Facebook. Did you know that? They're, they're determining what narrative, what things you listen to, and what you believe. And what the masses, not just in America, but around the world, believe and think. Yes or no? So the enemy's, uh, he's controlling the media in a big way. Now, if you think I'm uh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, you can call me what you want. I don't care what you call me. You know what? Jesus says I'm blessed. He also says I'm smart. He says I'm wise. He's made unto me wisdom. Yes or no? So I'm telling you, thus says the, almost thus says the Lord, get your head out the mainstream news. Because it's propaganda in a lot of ways. All of them are saying the same thing. Did you know that? If you don't know that, then you're fooled more than you know. And you're letting the dogs bark. And they're making you afraid. We live in the land of Goshen. Regardless of what comes, God's promised to provide. Right? You know, historically, when there's a, a covenant made, we don't make covenants. We don't do those kinds of things like that in America now. But if you go to other uh, Eastern cultures, covenants were well known. They usually had a party that represented each part of the covenant, each, part, each a person that uh, represented each party, I meant to say, of the covenant. And so they'd have a representative, and that representative would cut a portion of, cut something on his hand. They would mingle their blood in a, in a goblet of um, juice or wine or whatever. And then they'd bring, drink the blood and they'd become blood brothers together. They'd make a covenant together. That's in antiquity. You get it? Jesus Christ himself shed his blood and his blood became the surety, the guarantee of a covenant between you and me and God our Heavenly Father. Now, I don't know about you, but that blesses the socks off of me. I could dance and shout. I'm just telling you. So, you know, what it makes me think is, whoa, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but I'm, I'm cared for, I'm loved and provided for. Yes or no? I mean, come on, y'all. You got two and a half million Jews, and you got a, they're in the desert. They're on the way to the promised land because of their unbelief, wandering in a circle, and God drops this stuff called manna. You know what the Hebrew word for manna means? What is it? What's that stuff? And they had, to, and God fed them. They need. They started belly aching, had no water. We need some water. But I can't. My tongue's cleaving to the roof of my mouth. I need some water. He said, "Well, just go speak to the rock, Moses." And water came out. If God can do that for them and their covenant people, can He do it for you? Here's, here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, 
They said, we're not going to bow to your idol. He said, well, if you don't see that furnace over there, I'm going to heat it up seven times hotter than normal. He said, they said, do what you want to. We're not going to bow to that. And he did, the king did what he said, threw him in, and they found another guy, four. Who is that fourth man? They were covenant people. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were provided for. His Daniel. The king gave an edict. You can't pray. You can't pray. If you pray, you're going to die. You're going to be thrown to some hungry lions. We hadn't fed them in two weeks. Are you hungry? And he said, well, he heard what the king said. The next morning after he heard it, opened up his windows. Oh, heavenly father. Oh, father Abraham. Oh, Father Abraham, I, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of my forefather. He began to pray. You know, the Jews walk rock back and forth when they pray. Go to the wailing wall. And they begin to see it. Noon 48, he said, Oh, Father Abraham. Oh, the Father of Abraham. He began to pray. At night over his meal, he began to pray again. Oh, threw him in that, threw him in that lion's den. Those lions shut their mouths and looked at that boy. We're hungry, but you nasty. We can't eat you. He, he turned their stomachs on. Maybe he smelled bad. I don't know. Something happened. God protected Daniel. King came to him and said, Oh, Daniel, are you down there? And Daniel said, My God is able to deliver me. Oh, Lord. Listen, y'all. These, these aren't just stories of yesteryear, their promises made to you. Deuteronomy, y'all okay? Deuteronomy 28, you know, um, there was a amount of cursing and a amount of blessing uh, in the Old Testament. And when two parties made covenant with each other, they would do two things. They would have somebody, uh, uh, a party of the covenant, would stand up and they would verbally list the blessings and the curses. Now, the Israelites did it on top of two different mountains. And uh, they would list both the curses and the blessings, the blessings of obedience and the curses of the broken law. Because that's just what they did in that day with covenant. And Deuteronomy 28, that's the listing, both first of all, the blessings and the cursings. I want to read the blessings of Abraham to you because you're Abraham's kids, right? Right? Now, now, I'm not going to read, uh, and that's 1 through 14, but, but uh, 15 through uh, 65, that's for people that are going to walk in the flesh. And you're not going to obey God, and you're going to live to please yourself. But I'm not going to read that. You read that yourself. But here's what you can be a part of. Listen, Deuteronomy 28. Everybody okay? If you fully obey the Lord your God, carefully keep His commands that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world, You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. That just means they got plenty of food, right? Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction but scatter from you in seven. Wow. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. Y'all, when I'm reading this, I'm on top of that mountain in Ethiopia. 10,000 feet elevated. You can hardly breathe. <sighs> and man, they're just... And every time I make one of these statements, they go, Yeah! 
They start shouting. I go, man, y'all got the idea right here, boys. It was awesome. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord God will bless you in the land He's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, the Lord will establish you as His holy people as He swore He would do. Then the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land He swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from His rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You'll lend many nations but you'll never need to borrow from them if you listen to the commands of the lord your god that i'm giving you today if you carefully obey them the lord will make you the head and not the tail and you will always be on top and never at the bottom you must never you must not turn away from any of the commands i'm giving you today nor follow after other gods and worship them that right there is worth shouting about right you know how many times susan and i all these 40 43 and a half years now but how many times we had lean times? You got four kids, you're going to have some lean times coming. Let me just tell you, because you're spending all your money on them. Either clothes are in their back, food are in their mouth, or you're paying for education. I mean, we just went through it. And you know, every time I say, God, you know, you, you made promise to me. Now, I got, I got to watch over what you provide me, but you give me wisdom and you make the provision, we'll make it. And, and you know, we made it. <laughs> all of them got through school, college. Here we are. Woo, God's good. How many hear me? So whatever we got ahead of us, don't forget you have a covenant. One more thing I want to read and we're done. You, you want to hear this? So think of Psalm 91 in terms of this covenant that God made with Abraham. Now you're Abraham's kids, for he will rescue you, Psalm 91, 3, from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. Corona ain't the last one they can lock the world down with. If you're afraid of Corona, multiply it times 20 because they're coming. They're going to lock her down again, yet they found a way to control. How many hear me? You might not like what I'm saying, but I really, it doesn't matter. It's, it, that's what they're doing. <laughs> Don't be afraid of disease. Jesus took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished if you make the Lord your refuge. If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Man, this gets better. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon the lion and cobra. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord will say, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I'll be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Ah, oh, my. Oh, I, I could give you so many. I was in uh, Ethiopia. I'm sorry, no, I wasn't. I was in, uh, I was in Goma, Congo in 2008. November of 2008, you've heard this story, and, uh, and the Hutus and Tutsis have been fighting for generations. They broke out and fighting while we were there. I can't give you the whole story, but here's the nutshell was, <sighs> the army was running out of town, and we were in a little SUV trying to go back into town, 
and one of their tanks got out of their formation. It was right in front of our SUV. And y'all, I saw the shadow of the front of the tank over our SUV. And my mind started thinking what it feels like to be pancake Mitch. Because he's going to hit us. And I knew it. And y'all, <laughs> faster than you can think it seemed. That, I don't know how tanks do what they do. I've never, uh, you ever, maybe some of you have uh, guided a tank. That tank just, it just zip, zip, and was gone. I said, I got me a covenant father right up there. Ah, oh, thank you. I mean, hear what I'm saying. I've had so many things. I, just this last week, I was uh, pulling out of a, Turning left at one of the places here in Garner and uh, on the four-lane highway. And y'all, the light turned green, the, the, the green light turned, you know, the little turn light said turn, go. And I started to put my foot on the glass, but instead I just looked. Oh. I didn't see anything, so I proceeded, and I put my foot on. I got a big old truck, mosey on. I started moseying on, and the moment I looked, and y'all, here's a guy. Here's what I saw. Here's a guy driving his car. He's like this. He's got his cell phone up just like this. He never saw. I laid on my horn. I got a big old horn on that truck. He never heard me the first time. Zoom. And he never slowed down. I said, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him. See, you got a covenant with your father. So whether it's food, whether it's making payments you need to make, whether it's uh, whatever provision you need or protection you need or whatever it is, God's got you back. Amen. If you commit yourself to it. You got to sell out. 